Dress and Keep, we strive to encourage Christian men and women to build up their homes to the glory of God. You can follow us on Instagram at dress.and.keep for our latest updates. You can support us by sharing the episode and leaving a review. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Dress and Keep, and as always, I am Gannon Kessler, joined by my wife, Sarah. Say hi to everybody. It's been a while. I know. Hi, everybody. We have been very... Gannon actually has been very busy with work. Yep. A lot of work stuff, the holidays, working different shifts, um, just a ton of stuff. Yeah, a ton of stuff going on. You know, it's all good, but... um, Sometimes it just gets away from you. Uh, the last the last episode we recorded, we actually recorded with uh, one of my um, good buddies, Daryl. Um, we talked a little bit about, uh, well, a lot really about suffering. And this is this is going to be one of our lighter episodes, so it's not going to be as heavy as that one. But um, we're just uh, happy to get back on here and be able to do you know another episode. Yeah, and as always, I like to. <clears throat> you know, keep things light in the beginning and give you guys kind of just a little more information about us. And so Gannon, I think it's time to tell our favorite story. And it's about the relationship between you and your stepdad. (laughs) I think we already told this one. No, we have not. We talked about it on Sunday to a friend and laughed about it. And then our friend wanted to test his son and see if his son would kiss him. And his son's looking around like, what? Uh, <clears throat> Whoa. So Stop clearing your throat. They're going to turn us off, bro. Well, uh, hey, man. Drink too much coffee. Um, what you're referring to is, so when I was growing up in my house, everybody has obviously a different family culture, if you will. Every family has a different vibe. And for the longest time, uh, I kissed my stepdad on the lips, and it wasn't weird at all. And <laughs> I and and you know that side of the family, like the men, generally like my stepdad kisses his dad on the lips to this day, kisses his I think his brother on the lips. Like it's not, it's it's just something that they do. But they're like big <clears throat> Norwegian men, like yeah. Your uncle Milt is like a bodybuilder. He's huge. Yeah, he's he's pretty big. And they are kissing each other on the lips. And your yep. grandma Connie <laughs> would try to go in for it on me, and I usually give her the cheek because we don't Bro. do that in my family. <laughs> but anyways, keep going. So you kiss Dennis yeah, so for I, how long? I I didn't realize how weird it was until like I. I was like 14 and I was like, dude, this is weird. None of my other friends kiss their dad on the lips. <laughs> how come <laughs> how come I kiss my dad on the lips? That's weird. And then from then on I was just like, yeah, d- yeah, we're not doing that anymore, dad. Oh. <laughs> I bet That's you, weird. It's embarrassing. You it's know embarrassing, what? dad. I bet you that you will kiss Lawson on the lips and then the day the last time he kisses you on the lips, you're going to be kind of sad. Oh. Nope. I won't be sad at all. I'd be like, all right, that's good. You're finally growing up. <laughs> oh, whatever. No. It's not something I would prolong. That's weird, dude. 
You guys are weird. My family's totally normal. Never did nothing like that. What are you talking about? Bro, your family like your family doesn't even hug each other that much. What are you talking about? My family's over here kissing each other on the lips. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I know. See, that's what I mean. Every family has a different vibe, a different dynamic, you know? Well, even your stepmom, it's your step-parents maybe, but she almost like hugs me and she's like, I love you. And I'm like, I love you too. I do love her. I'm just not, I'm not a oozy woozy. Public displays of affection. Affectionate person. (laughs) I'm not, I am with my kids, but I'm not cuddly. I'm like a porcupine. Bro, you a cactus. You're, wow. You're a cactus. Reality. Not really, because we have five kids, so that's nope, a lie. Nope, you a cactus, and I got a lot of wounds. That's what it really is. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, we have to move on. People are gonna, people are gonna think we're weird now. No, it's not weird at all. All right. They're like, no wonder Gannon looks so beat up all the time. Oh, whatever. <laughs> it's because you don't sleep. You drink a bunch of I coffee. Sleep. Yeah, like four hours a night. Hey, man, it, there's rest in heaven, eternal. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Speaking of work and diligence. Man, that was a hardcore transition. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you go first. You're the one reading the quote. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what, what we're going to be talking about in this episode is um, just kind of, a, it, it's not really hodgepodge, but it's just children, chores, and cheerfulness. Um, so we just want to kick things off by, uh, by this quote by Richard Baxter. It says, be sure that you live not idly, but in some constant business of a lawful calling. So far as you have bodily strength, idleness is a constant sin and labor is a duty. Idleness is, but the devil's home for temptation and for unprofitable, distracting musings. Labor profiteth others and ourselves, both soul and body need it. Six days you thou labor and must not eat the bread of idleness. Proverbs thirty one thirteen through 27. God hath made it our duty and will bless us in his appointed way. I have known grievous, despairing melancholy, cured and turned into a life of godly cheerfulness, principally by setting upon consistency and diligence in the business of families and callings. So there's a lot there. Um, a couple other uh, scripture verses I would point to is John sixteen thirty three says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. <clears throat> and then Romans 8, 38 through 39. Man, I'm, my throat You're is... struggling. Remember when we first started the podcast and we were afraid to even breathe? Oh, I know. We were like, I we don't, don't want to be annoying. And now we just don't care. We're Look, like clearing I'm, our I'm throats. I'm just going to clear my throat. And you guys recording are just Recording stuff to... with colds. Look, it's... When you <laughs> okay. finally sit down to podcast... Sorry, a little tangent here. When you finally sit down to podcast and you got five kids, the last thing on your mind at this point is how many times you're clearing your throat. You're just happy that you get to sit down at the table and it's not... You know, it's decently quiet in the house. Yeah, there's like three out of five awake. Yep. Okay. Yep. Anyway, um, <laughs> another text that I was point I was going to point to is Romans eight thirty eight through thirty nine. Uh, it says, "For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus." Our Lord. 
So kind of the motivation for recording this episode is due to the fact that our most popular episodes were about parenting and housekeeping. So it seemed to really spark a lot of people's interest. And so I thought it would kind of be neat to take an element of both of those and talk about kids and chores. And so I just want to start by saying that work is an amazing, glorious thing. Adam was called to work in the garden before Mm -hmm. the fall. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says, And to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands, as we instructed you. We also have in Philippians 2.14-16, Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless, Blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So we quoted a lot of scripture, but I want to make it very clear, as we always have on our podcast, that there is no neutrality and Everything we do comes from the Bible, and hard work is a good thing. I firmly believe that God gives us work and puts things in front of us as a blessing. And when we stay fruitfully busy, then we aren't given a bunch of time to sin or do things that aren't profitable, and that kind of references back to that uh, Richard Baxter quote that you gave us. Um, And I can tell you right now, when I'm not busy, I am scrolling social media and it's not necessarily wrong, but I could be using my time more wisely. The apostle Paul writes, we hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy, but busy bodies. That's second Thessalonians three eleven, And a busy body is someone who is basically wasting their time being in other people's business. And so because I'm raising my children to love the Lord, I want to raise them to love the work that is set before them. Yeah. So uh, when you have a family of, you know, seven, um, it's vital that the kids have an understanding of what is, you know, expected of them when it comes to, you know, chores. I think a lot of families might have children who, you know, don't have a healthy expectation around chores in the home. Because the kids have been left to, like we're talking about, they've been left to idleness by their parents for just far too long. And then the idleness becomes the expectation. And then when the parents need their children to do more in the home, you know, for the betterment of the home as a whole, the kids, you know, are going to whine and complain because the expectation has been set for idleness, you know, and, and it's, it's a big deal because, you know, work ethic isn't being instilled in the, from the parents to the children from the beginning. So what you want to do is just instill this healthy work ethic through chores very, very early on. Yeah. And I'm not a Newton fan, but I compare getting children used to working with Newton's law of motion, which is a body in motion remains in motion uh, or a body at rest remains at rest unless acted upon by force. And so... When you get kids used to working and moving throughout the day, they become used to it. They stay in motion. 
as parents, we must be the force that encourages our kids to work. Mm -hmm. Work for children can look like a lot of things. It can look like independent play if they're really little. It could look like reading. It could be their schoolwork. And then the very obvious, the chores. And we want our we want to encourage our kids to have a palette for hard work and not a palette for laziness or continual leisure. If you let your kids sit around all day and watch TV or do things that are mindless, then that's what they're going to grow a palate for, a mm-hmm. taste for. If you never make your kids sweat, never have them do anything physically challenging, um, or make them do something that they don't want to do, then they grow accustomed to this very leisurely life. And so it's really important that, I mean, really as adults and children, we develop a love for the work that God has placed in front of us. We don't want to raise children or people who are simply check the box Christians, Mm -hmm. meaning we don't want kids who do a task to just get it done, check a box. We want to develop an actual love for working and our kids to understand that every, you know, seemingly small task they do is important. Not only are we raising up people who will be good, hardworking adults, but we want to raise people who will be good members of their covenant community, their church, And this comes with a lot of time, training, and encouragement. Kids aren't going to just come out of the womb loving work. Yeah, I think the underlying principle, you know, there, or the underlying principle aim, right, is developing a love for the work God has placed in front of you. And the difficulty with this is, like I was saying earlier, if if you don't recognize the affections that you're training your children into early on, Right, like you know, idleness, movies, TV. If you're very heavy onto that, letting them sit in front of the iPad for hours and hours on end, you're training your children into that. And what happens is, just like a couple of years ago, I well, four years ago or so, I realized that I couldn't be an effective, you know, father or husband if I wasn't studying, if I wasn't reading, if I wasn't actively, you know, pursuing those things. And the problem was is that I my affections weren't trained toward reading. I hated reading. I thought it was the most boring thing in the world. I was like, I'll just watch the movie. You know, I was one of those, like, I'll just watch the movie when it comes out. And so what happened? Now I can't get you to stop buying books. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. I had to, but for, you know, what my point is that I had, I had a really hard time training my affections toward it. I knew that I needed it, but it was a hard shift back to, you know, um, to focusing on the things that I need to focus on. And so just like with children, if you, if you don't recognize early on that, Hey, I'm training their affections towards something that it is idle and it's really not, you know, not helpful. I'm not saying that they can't do things, you know, they can't watch something that is, you know, edifying or they can't do something on an iPad that's edifying. But if you don't have, if you're not controlling it wisely, Mm-hmm. then you are allowing your kids' affections to be trained by that rather than you, rather than, you know, um, godliness and discipline and, and things like that. And so you just have to be aware of those things. Um, and I guess um, the best way to show and teach this in your home is first and foremost to model this for your children in your daily tasks. So this goes back to the idea of being cheerful about the work that God has for you. 
And what I would want parents to realize is that one of the most effective ways you can train your children is through um, mimics, right? And what I mean is that your children pick up on things by just watching you. You know, they mimic you. So you really are the most important uh, adult influence on your children's lives, or, or at least, you know, or at least you should be. And so I think you have to make a conscious decision about how you want your children to see you. You know, do you want them to see a mom who constantly complains about how messy the house is day in and day out? Or do you want your kids to see a mom who diligently works and chooses to find reasons in the work to be cheerful? You know, I think it's, it's, you know, I think it's a reality with moms that they don't, they don't realize, and really dads too, how much that they themselves whine and complain and how that trains their children to do the same. And I don't say this flippantly, right? This is, this is a hard thing. This is a hard saying, you know, it's a, it's a discipline. It's a against the flesh decision that has to be made every day for the sake of your children. So I guess another way that I would say this is that if you show your children that you love what you do, you love being a mom and all the work that comes with it, or you love being a father and all the work that comes with it, then, then the love of the work will be the thing that is contagious and not the complaining and whining, right? And so I would say, you know, as being an example, you have to promote and exemplify the fruit that you want your children to grow in, um, if that makes sense. Anything you want to add there? Well, I think the saying goes that culture and behavior is caught, not taught. And mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I mean, if you want your kids to be a certain person, like if you want your kids to be kids that read, then you best be reading and get off your iPhone. Yeah. I mean, they they watch your behaviors. I remember Kimber being just barely walking and she had a little toy purse and she would like put her purse on and mm -hmm. she would walk around with it and put things in it. And she would mimic me because I had Lucy by the time she was a year old, she would like pretend to breastfeed her baby doll and carry it around. And they watch you mm -hmm. and they understand things and they're going to copy you. And I mean, that's just how kids are. Monkey see monkey do. Um, but I kind of wanted to get into, not that we're raising monkeys over here, but now they're monkeys, monkeys falling off the beds. Um, so there's two types of chores in my mind. And one type of chore isn't a chore at all. And it's just basic self-responsibility as a human being. And so this is kind of like the starting place with we, small children. We call it a chore, but it's not really a chore. It's just, yeah, you know, I, taking I know. care of yourself. Yeah, it's literally just taking care of yourself. So... It's like the concept of if you get something out, you put it away. If you eat, clean up the area where you ate and put your dish in the sink, at least. When you wake up, make your bed. If you spill something, clean it up. And in these instances, I explain to my kids that these things are their responsibility. They are responsible for themselves, and it's not considerate of them to expect a sibling, a parent, or other people to do those things for you. These are just like basic self-responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Be responsible for you. 
Don't expect people to follow you around and wipe everything up. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second type of chore is the chore that is beneficial to the entire home or isn't something that is the sole responsibility of the child. So this is loading or unloading the dishwasher, taking out the trash, separating laundry, cleaning a bathroom, mopping the floors. You kind of get the idea. And we don't give our kids an allowance. I grew up not getting an allowance. Um, We don't give a reward for these chores. You do them because you live in this house and you are a part of this small household community and communities cannot operate when people do not do their God-given duties. Even the baby, this is what I tell the girls, even the baby has a job and his job is to make people smile and bring joy to the household, right? So each person has a part to play and each person is important to the proper functioning of the home. And I really make sure that my kids are aware of this truth and they know how important they are to keeping things working. And so this is just a way to praise them and encourage them. I'll say something like, thank you for doing this. You are a vital part of this household and I couldn't do this without your help. Thank you so much. You help mom so much. Mm -hmm. Um, This is like, you know, just general tasks throughout the house that, you know, mom needs help with throughout the day is, is what we're talking about, right? Yeah. I mean, things that are, they aren't just for, you know, their own responsibility. I've made this mess and I, now I need to clean it. It's, you know, operational things, laundry, yeah, dishes. And so kind of where I like to start with our kids and before kids can graduate to the second type of chores, which are taking out the trash, the laundry, the dishwasher, I really want them to master their basic responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And so when Kimmer and Lucy were young, I made these laminated signs and I just went on like Google documents and it was before they could read. And so I would put what they needed to do, but I would put clip art um, and I would kind of walk them through it. And so I had two posters in their bedroom and it gave them the steps for their morning and nighttime chores. And we just call them chores, but they're not really chores. Truly just routine. Morning routine, yeah, bedtime routine. routine. And so like at night, it said, brush your teeth, brush your hair, put on pajamas, pick out a book. And then for the morning, it was brush your teeth, brush your hair, get dressed and make your bed. And they loved having that visual aid. Yeah. And so the expectations were laid out in plain sight and with a little bit of coaching the kids got used to just doing what needed to be done. And so now like when they get up, it's an automatic, well, sometimes thing where they just know this is what I do when I get up and we don't have the posters anymore. Um, and then, and then the other poster I had was in the dining room and sorry, it's not going to match your decor unless you make it. I guess. Um, but I put expectations with photos that had mealtime chores. And so their job was to scrape any leftover food off into the trash, put their dish in the sink, wipe down their eating area, and then pick up any food that might've fallen on the floor. And same thing. This took like kind of a transitional period 
we had to coach and remind the kids to do this. Um, but now my kids know when I say clear your area, they know what I mean. I don't need the poster. And so, and this is just really, these are basic life responsibilities. And what's so helpful is when we go to out to eat at someone else's house, or if we're having a church potluck, my kids have like basic manners mm-hmm. when we're eating. Um, yeah, yeah. What what also sorry what what also is helpful with this is that you know now that the older girls have um, this you know training already happened and then they've already went through it. Now the same rule applies as far as the kids are going to mimic what they see, and so you know the older girls will you know you tell them to clear the area and they'll scrape their food in the garbage and they'll do everything they need to do. Well, then the younger two are going to be able to see that and witness that and they copy it and they copy it. And so you don't, you know, we don't actually have to, at least we don't think anyway, we're going to have to go back to a poster because the example is already there that they can see every single time we, we get done with dinner, right. Or lunch or whatever it is that they already have an example of what needs to be done. Um, but that wasn't the case with our older two. Right. So you, you can see that, you know, that, that principle of, you know, of, um, you know, mimic or copying is, is true now with the kids, you know, the older to the younger. Yeah. And it's funny. There's something about spilled drinks at our house. Drinks get spilled all the time. And like I said, basic responsibility is if you spill something, just wipe it up. Um, have you heard the phrase, don't cry over spilled milk? And I think oftentimes And I, early on, I would get like this where somebody would just spill like a whole cup of water, a whole cup of milk. And my reaction was, I just wanted to get annoyed and irritated. And I would sometimes. And now I've trained myself to just go, "Uh uh-oh, go get a towel, hurry, go wipe it up. And Mm -hmm. no matter how old the kid is, they will, you know, sometimes it'll be a paper towel and they give like the tiniest rip of a paper towel. And I'm like, "Uh, you're going to need more than that. And they wipe it up and it just, it creates basic self-awareness. And so when your kids are really little, start here, or even if your kids are old and you've waited a while, start here, basic life responsibilities that are automatic expectations. You're not getting a reward for it. Mm -hmm. It's just, you need to do it. Yep. Um, And then, so for like the second type of chore, which I would say big chores, um, once our kids reach a certain age, it's time to give them responsibilities beyond just self-responsibility. And so, I mean, Melody, she's three and she's kind of started to do little things here and there because she wants to help. But when Kimmer and Lucy were four and five, um, just as an example, I taught them how to do laundry. And so at our old house, we had like the most basic type of wash machine. And I taught them how to put their clothes in the washer, measure out detergent, and then just press the button, start the load. And I would say like when a child is learning how to do a new task, I treat them as if they are my apprentice. And so apprentice apprentice so (laughs) apprentice apprentice that's a couple of apprentices and so for maybe like i don't know a number like for the first few times at least i am there i'm guiding them i'm helping them i'm giving them 
you know, all my tricks. And once they prove they can do the job well on their own, then I don't really need to hover around them. And yes, there may be some spilled detergent or you might end up with musty clothes that got left in the wash machine. Uh, but eventually they do get the hang of it and, um, don't allow, you know, those little setbacks to cause you to make them never do laundry again or to not allow them to do it on their own. Same with the dishwasher. Most kids by age five can unload a dishwasher. Kimmer and Lucy, they like team up and like one kid will hop up on the counter and the other one will hand like, you know, the dishes to the one on the counter, they can put, they can unload a dishwasher fast. And I mean, that's a very basic early task they can do. And when they were really little, I would put all the sharp knives away myself before I called them over to unload the dishwasher. And then eventually I was like, okay, here's how you safely handle a knife. Mm -hmm. You walk with it, point it down. And once it's in your hand, you go straight to the knife drawer and put it in the drawer. And no one's ever got cut. I mean, we haven't had any accidents, but we have all girls. I don't have sons. <laughs> I do have a son. He's a baby. But so I don't know. It could be a different story when he's older. But you kind of get the gist of it. And I feel like millennials are helicopter parents to the max. Like when I was a kid, I was Maybe. six. <laughs> I was walking to the bus stop at my all on my own i was riding dirt bikes when i was that's because your parents five, are boomers six. i know they're like ah she'll be fine yeah your parents are boomers but i think that we as a generation really underestimate the abilities of our children do you think that could be true uh I, well that's a i mean that's a huge topic i think generally we don't well first off we don't appreciate children there isn't there's an appreciation for children that's that's out there right now. It's it's the opposite, where you know pets are more uh, glorified than children are in today's society. So oh geez, we, you brought that up another start, episode. We could start with that, but okay, I, I don't but think like, you want to go down that road. Here's one thing, and this is kind of a stupid example, but like for a long time, I would cut Kimber and Lucy's fingernails, and finally, I'm like, you know what? They're gonna have to learn how to cut their own fingernails. Here's the nail clippers. Cut your nails. Here you go. So what you're saying is you think that kids can do more than most people think they can do earlier on. Is that what you're saying? I feel like parents nowadays just hold back or they're afraid like, oh, what if this happens? Like, I remember my dad had Kimber and Lucy out at the barbecue at his house and he was teaching them how to flip burgers. And initially I was like, oh no, like they're going to get burnt. But then I changed my mindset and I'm like, you know what? Like a little arm burn didn't kill nobody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, generally, I would agree that, you know, most, I, I do think it's a, it's a millennial thing to be a little bit more helicopter parent. Um, uh, and I think that, you know, y you have to give your children room to be able to make acceptable mistakes within yes. a controlled environment. Yeah. Right. Okay, you say it a lot better and, than I do. Oh, well, exactly. And so, like, you know, if, if, you know, Bessie's outside and she's, what, she's two and she's up on the little plastic slide, you know, 
and she's trying to jump from the plastic slide over to the trampoline. And it's like five feet. And apart. it's like five feet away. Now yeah, I and could clearly you intervene. Right. I mean, I could go out there and and like intervene, you know, or or you make a judgment call and you say, you know what, if she's either going to make it or not. <laughs> I think it depends on the parent, but yeah. But, but generally, I I think that you're right. I think that parents do tend to be a little bit too careful, at least in the millennial uh, generation, and so you know. I guess give your kids some space to make some mistakes and get a couple of bruises. It's not going to, it's not going to, not going to kill them. Yeah. I mean, let them do hard things. Let them sweat. I mean, I remember going to my childhood best friend's house and like we hated it, but we were pulling weeds in their giant vegetable garden and spent like what felt like hours doing it. It probably only took 30 minutes, but it felt like all day in the, just killer son doing this, you know? Um, and so I remember last year we had like a big family yard cleanup day, which was really fun. So the girls, uh, weeded, they raked, they shoveled, they moved rocks and I made a big deal out of it. We grilled, I bought popsicles and fun drinks and, Mm -hmm. and we just made it fun. And so just, don't underestimate your children's abilities and take the time to train them to do these tasks because they can do it. Yeah, I think it's two things at play, right? One is just the helicopter parenting and just being a little bit too careful. The other thing is not wanting to be patient enough with your children because, yes, um, you know, any handy guy will know that anytime children are present, it will take 10 times longer for you to complete that DIY thing. Whatever it is that you're doing, it will take 10 times longer automatically now you're just going to have to be okay with that you know you're gonna have to be okay with the kids inconveniencing you for the sake of you know teaching them something or allowing them to do something that is hard you know or for them to learn a skill you're gonna have to be inconvenienced and so I think a lot of it has to do with just you know millennial parents just lacking the patience to wait you know for their kids to you know you know, drive a nail the wrong way, you know, 47 Mm -hmm. times, you know, or, or, you know, uh, sweep, you know, the back patio, uh, terribly, you know, a bunch of times, you know, and you have to go out there and sweep it anyway. Like those types of small little things I think is what, um, millennials just don't have the patience for. So I think that has something to do with it as well. And life hack, as soon as you can teach your kids how to make your morning coffee, Cause they will fight over who gets to do it and they can make a good cup of coffee. Kimber made my cup, my coffee a few hours ago and it makes my Washingtonian soul happy to just wake up in the morning. I have my book in my hand and my kids are like, I want to make your coffee. Mm. And I'm like, yes, please do it. So troubleshooting. Okay. So say troubleshooting, a kid is whining and complaining over a task. Mm -hmm. And so what I like to do and what I find helps with any type of transition. So say, even if you're homeschooling and you know, you have to tell your kid you need to quit playing and it's time to homeschool. So here's what I like to say, and this helps with a particular child of ours. I say, hey, please prepare your heart and your mind 
because in 10 minutes, I'm going to ask you to put your clothes away. So I just want to let you know, so you're not caught off guard. So I want you to prepare your attitude. Okay. And there you go. Okay. And then 10 minutes goes by and I'm like, Hey, I'm coming back. I'm letting you know it's time to do the chore that I was going to have you do. And since I've been doing that, I don't get a lot of the freak out or the whining. Mm -hmm. You know, they're pre-warned. And I do this too with showers. For some reason, kids don't like to shower. And we're like, come on, get in the shower. Yeah. And so really with anything, I just give them a warning ahead of time. Then they're not caught off guard. Yeah, I think you know, this is all just real practical, you know, in the moment type of stuff that, that we do. Um, a lot of the problem, I think majority of the time is that, um, parents will let everything in the moment be a reaction. Like the parent tells the child to clean up the living room toys. And then the child, instead of saying, you know, yes, mom, or yes, dad, they complain about it. And they, you know, tromp over there to clean up the toys. Um, then in the moment, the parent, you know, is going to react to that and yells at them or puts them in timeout or simply just corrects them. And what you're talking about is not reactionary parenting. It's, it's, it's really proactive in that you're, you know, you're telling the child, Hey, you know, 10, 15 minutes, you're, you're going to need to clean up the living room toys. And this gives them a chance to prepare themselves, you know, prepare their heart and prepare really the right response. You know, when you finally say, okay, you know, time to stop what you're doing and go pick up, you know, we have found this to be just a very practical and helpful way to essentially help your children to respond in the correct way on the front end and not simply reacting and correcting the complaining when we tell them to do something. Well, yeah, it's kind of like if you take your kids to the park, right? And, you know, every parent is surfboard carrying their kid out of the park because, <laughs> man, leaving yeah. the park is hard. Yep. Um, it doesn't work every time, so I ain't making any promises, but you will find that instead of just going, we're leaving, you know, your kid's yep. so focused and into their play. And then someone just goes, you're done. We're leaving. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously that's going to throw them off guard. But if you say, Hey, we got 10 more minutes and then we're going to head out. Okay. And yep. they're like, okay. And then 10 minutes rolls around and it's a much easier transition for them. And so same concept with chores. It helps a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think what's necessary is really is both, right? Like you're going to be pro proactive on the front end, going to give them opportunity to, you know, respond to what you're telling them to do in the right way. And then when they don't respond in the right way, then you obviously are going to correct them or, or discipline how, how you see fit. Right. So I think it, it's a good parenting tool to really be, to be utilizing both those uh, practical tools. Yeah. So then maybe the next issue would be low quality or half done work. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you kind of have to know who you're working with. A three-year-old is obviously not going to be able to make their bed like a soldier in the army. There's mm -hmm. not. Um, but if this is an older kid and you know that they could do better quality work and they rush through a job, I just take them back in there and I try to give them grace and I say, Hey, it looks like you rushed through this. It takes longer if you don't do something the right way the first time, because now here we are again and we mm -hmm. have to redo it. And so, um, I try not to be like hovering or micromanaging, but I'll point out what was not done correctly and I make them redo it. 
And like, just an example of this, my kids think I was born yesterday. And so they do the old, like tuck everything under the bed trick. (laughs) And so obviously like I flip up the blankets on the bed and I'm like, Oh, you literally scooted every toy in here under your bed. And I just laugh it off and I'm like, okay, for real, put it away where it goes. I'm not dumb. Yeah. Um, a couple of quotes here I wanted to share is, uh, one, uh, Martin Luther says, what you do in your house is worth as much as if you did it up in heaven for our Lord God. We should accustom ourselves to think of our position and work as sacred and well-pleasing to God, not on the account of the position and work, but on the account of the word and faith from which the obedience and the work flow. Martin Luther also says, and I love this one, God is milking the cow through the vocation of the milkmaid. So we want our children to be striving for good work, right? Good quality work, right? And understand that, you know, they're working for the Lord. So when they leave a task that's partly done, or they've shoved all their toys under the bed instead of actually cleaning up the room, right? And they don't put in a good effort, then we want them to realize that the work they're doing, they're doing for the king, right? And you have to ask, well, would you be okay knowing this, knowing who the work is for, right? And there's something to say about, you know, an approved workman, right? An approved workman is someone who not only does the work, but does it well. Not so that you can boast in the work that you're doing, but because of who the work is for. And so then I just, um, I, I would want to go into a couple of, um, I guess, a uh, couple other troubleshooting type scenarios, right? Um, another one that you brought up was kids fighting with each other while needing to do a job. Yeah, so kids fighting each fighting with each other when they have a job to do. So oh, yeah. uh, our girls are too old to share a room and... You know, sometimes they fight. Hey, she's not she's not doing anything. She's not working. She's mm-hmm. not helping. She's laying around, whatever. And so I will give them, if they have kind of a shared duty, I will give them a very specific task. And so it'll be like, hey, Lucy, you're going to grab all the clothing that are on the floor. You're going to put those away. Kimber, find the home for all the toys. And that usually shuts things down really fast. Um or if we have a little mini micromanager, so one kid is trying to micromanage the other one, um, then the person who's trying to micromanage, the consequence is is they will have to do the entire job themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that shuts them down pretty quickly if they're, you know, trying to be the boss. Um, and then it also does help to give kids specific jobs and give the job a name so lucy is our laundry master and it's a very important title and she transfers (laughs) the wash over and she does her and kimber's laundry and um and that helps a lot and then kimber i don't i've never really given her like a cool name but she just does the dishes and so she unloads the dishwasher and she's still kind of learning how to do dishes and load a dishwasher. Yeah, the dish deputy or something. <laughs> the dish deputy. <laughs> um, and then just another tip, since we're kind of talking about dishes, uh, one thing that I like to do with the kids is called EHAP. And 
This is actually not my idea. I got this from a woman named Misty Winkler. It's a really neat name. Um, and so EHAP stands for everything has a place. And so the kids and I joke around, they pretend like they're my soldiers. And so it's usually after each, each meal when we're already putting dishes away, it's like, why not take a little extra time and effort and tidy up the house? So the girls line up like my soldiers and I'm like, it's EHAP time. What does EHAP stand for? And they're like, everything has a place. They shout that back out at me. And I put on a fun song and we try to clean as fast as we can during the duration of the song. Mm -hmm. And you'll be amazed at how quickly you can pick up a house in a two minute song. And sometimes, you know, if we still have more cleaning up to do, I'm like, okay, one more song, one more song. Mm -hmm. And it's just a way to make it fun for the kids. And we run around and everyone participates in it. Even Lawson gets a little kick out of seeing his sisters run around and put stuff away. So just a, just a helpful, you know, tip, I guess. Well, I, I would say that, you know, normally people would frown on, you know, micromanagement. Um, but in this case, you know, we become the micromanagers because our children are still developing the skills to manage themselves, you know, in regards to giving them, you know, very specific tasks. Yeah, that's you true. Know, somebody might say, you have to micromanage them a little bit. <laughs> right. You, do, you have to micromanage them a little bit, you know. So what happens is that they can usually pick up the room, but you know, at first we'll be overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that they need to pick up or, you know, they, they'll just be arguing who needs to pick up what, right? And so they need something specific to focus on. Now, I do think that as the kids continue to grow in their work and chores and, you know, the need for this will decrease as the children get older. But in the early years, especially, they'll need, you know, some micromanagement to complete some of the things or the tasks that we're giving them. Just because you have to micromanage them, I don't think that you should not give them the task right so maybe it would be helpful i think if we brought up some basic you know scenarios in the home that we have encountered when it comes to you know children's chores and just being cheerful cheerful and those types of things and you know just some scenarios on how we would handle them so scenario one uh is, quiz me yeah give me a this, good this is your quiz give <clears throat> me a good scenario um so usually on sunday morning right? It's a mad dash to get everyone ready and, and out the door. Um, the house doesn't always look the best. And let's say that, you know, someone is coming over right after church and we got to make them lunch, right? We want to be, you know, hospitable. So how can parents prepare for this and give their children direction in, you know, you know, pr preparation for being hospitable on Sunday? So Sunday mornings are actually a breeze because of the foundation we've built with the morning quote chores routine yes. yeah their morning routine they know when they get up you brush your hair brush your teeth you get dressed and you make your bed and that mm -hmm. happens before you even come downstairs and so because we've built that foundation and also they know what they're going to wear to church because they only have like one or two church dresses makes the option the options very slim. Um, I don't have to help my older girls get ready for the day, but I do style their hair, but that takes me two seconds. Um, but 
So we have that foundation of their morning routine. And then as far as I go, because I'm the parent, I, you know, prepare the lunch we're going to have the night before. I either make chicken salad or I put a roast in the crock pot. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday breakfast is unhealthy but easy i just buy frozen french toast sticks and we every sunday we have frozen french toast sticks (laughs) gannon can bake them they go in the oven and the kids love it there's no mess and while the kids eat i walk around the table and i fix their hair and usually the house stays disaster free usually but Having your kids able to just get ready on their own is huge. Yeah. Yeah, I think this points back to something we've talked about before in, uh, I think, our made-to-order episode. But it really points back to, like, you know, you want to have a well-ordered home. And you're not going to lose, you know, some part of the family atmosphere. or It's not going to feel cold, if you will, if you have a well-ordered home. It's actually going to going to grow in hospitality. It's going to grow in, in fruitfulness because, you know, Paul says that, you know, order begets fruitfulness. If you want something to be fruitful, then order it well. And um, obviously God is the one who brings the, brings the growth, but, you know, it's our job to make sure that it's, it's well-ordered. And so the morning is, of a Sunday morning is just really almost like this choreographed thing. I, I pretty much do the same thing every Sunday morning. You do the same thing every Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, you know, I, get up and get get all the kids downstairs make sure that they've had they've done all of their morning chores that they're supposed to do and i do you know easy french toast sticks breakfast and um then you come downstairs once you're done getting ready and you make sure all their hair is done you know do all the hair downstairs right and then i go back upstairs and i get ready and then after that we're pretty much ready to go to church but it 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 allows us to make sure that, you know, we're on church on time, that we have, you know, a way of getting, you know, to church that's somewhat, you know, orderly. And then this also allows us to be, I think, hospitable to people if they're coming over, you know, on Sunday after church, you know, because like you mentioned, you, you know, make a crock pot, you know, the night before or roast or whatever, and and it's ready for them. We need to do a podcast all about Sunday. What we do on Sunday. Sunday. I think that'd be helpful. I'm making a note of that. A mental note. Oh. Give me your next scenario. um, Okay. Yeah. So uh, the next scenario is is, um, you tell one of your children to go upstairs, right? And you tell them to transfer the wash and they give you an inappropriate response. They respond with whining and complaining, right? So how can you not only discipline them, but correct them? Because... Discipline without correction is simply punishment. How would you handle that situation? That never happens because my kids are so <laughs> perfect. <laughs> no, it happens so, pretty often. Yeah, and so if we're dealing with somebody who is whining, I correct them and I say, oh, you're supposed to say yes, mom, or I'll say I didn't hear yes, mom. I am that annoying mom. And... If the whining and complaining is really bad, then I add on an extra task. And so then it's like, okay, not only do you have to transfer the wash, but now you're going to sort and fold anything that might be in the dryer. Yeah. And they don't like it when I add extras. And so it's like, if you would just have the right attitude and do what you're supposed to ahead of time, 
you don't have to do the extra. Yeah. And then if it's like a, you know, one particular child ends up having a really hard time that day of just, you know, doing things, you know, that they're told to do without complaining and whining or they just have a terrible attitude. I usually will just get a text at work <laughs> or, you do. or like a, Hey, so-and-so's just, they're struggling, struggling today. And then I come home and either they get a spanking or they get talked to or, or what? Usually, usually it, it's just talking. Usually to. it just needs a conversation and then they, you know, they okay, feel, dad, yeah, they feel really bad. But anyway, so, uh, the next scenario is, uh, during the day, the kids are constantly talking back when told to do something or given direction. How would you write the ship if we find ourselves in that situation? Well, if this is like a, because you said constantly, if this is a constant, then that needs to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. Um, so if my older kids, for example, consistently has a fit over having to pick up like a Lego mess, then the Legos eventually will be in toy jail. That's what we call it. And they don't get to have their Legos for a while if you don't want to put them away, if you're going to have a fit over having to pick up something you're responsible for, then mom's going to pick them up and then they're going to be in jail Mm -hmm. for a while. Um, now constant back talk and overall like defiance. If you have a kid that's just very defiant and will literally refuse to do what you're telling them to do, then I would say that there's something much bigger and deeper going on there. And you may have lost the heart of your child. And so they need more one-on-one time. They need their love tanks filled, or you need to reevaluate maybe like your screen time, your kid's screen time, or things that are taking your attention away from your kid. And I know it's so hard when our kids aren't being lovely. We tend to want to withhold love from them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, it's hard to show people love when they're at their worst, but we have to just push through that and kill our pride and really seek out what might be happening. Um, you know, you could also try asking them in a different way or sometimes when I have a kid that just really doesn't want to do something, I'm like, Hey, I will go and do it with you. I will stand next to you. I will support you. We're in this together. Let's do it. Right. And I kind of joke because I have one kid who really struggles. You know how like before a soccer game, people will like, you know, the soccer team, put the, they put their hands in together and they chant and they're like, go team or whatever. Is that what they do at soccer games? I, that's what we used to do. We would be like. Do I look like a soccer player? Do you? you could be. Heck no, dude. So... <laughs> Anyways, I'll like put my hand with theirs and I'll be like, go team. And they kind of roll their eyes at me, but then they smile. And, you know, you just, you got to try to love them. And if it's outright defiance, then there's something bigger going on. Yeah. It's usually when that kind of thing happens, you alluded to it. Usually it's because the day before they got way too much screen time, right? They got way too much stimulation and now they're just, their attention span and their patience is absolutely drained and all they want to do is whine and complain when you tell them to do something. Um, Christmas time is very rough on our family because our routine is off and our kids' behavior just 
it's like we almost <laughs> have to retrain them yep. after Christmas. And so... Because the gifts and the and just there's the candy, the candy, gifts, you the know. you know lack of naps, the lack of stable routine, and so there can be seasons like that too. Yep. So I guess uh, what are some good and you alluded to some of them, but what's some some good resources? Maybe we just talk about those again. Well, I just discovered a few months ago simply convivial. So that's S I M P L Y. C-O-N-V-I-V-I-A-L, Simply Convivial, and it's a podcast by Misty Winkler, and she also has an online training program. It's like $25 a month. I really want to do it, and there's coaching and mentorship on housekeeping and you know, a lot of people see housework and housekeeping as just this easy task. It's mindless. Anyone can do it, but that's not the case. Some people do need training and help with it. And she offers that and people rave about her program. And then she also wrote a book called, uh, I think it's called simplified organization or simply organization, but it's her book. Her name's Misty Winkler. And, the book is has nothing to do about organization and it's actually all to do with your mindset and your attitude and your heart towards your home. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're a working mom, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if your kids go to school, if you homeschool, it's a book for everybody. Yeah, if you It's great. If you want to be able to train the affections of your children, you first have to train your own affections toward your children and toward your home. Yeah. Right. And so um, I think that's, you know, that's a good resource there. And how if people want to reach out to us and they want to contact us and they want to, you know, ask some questions, how can how can they do that? Probably the best place to do that would be on our Instagram, which is dress.and.keep. That's our Instagram handle. I never check our email. I'm so sorry. We should I, check our email. I do. Oh, Gannon does. Does anybody ever email us? Probably not. I check the email. So do we get if any you email emails? us, then I will, I will see. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Gannon checks the email. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's it for us uh, on this episode. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, on Dress and Keep. Dress and Keep.